Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. All right. Let me just tell you, when when I put one person up saying they're going to be swinging by the Bradford Show studios on Twitter, nobody gets reaction like Mike Lowell. That is a fact. That is a fact. People still like you in Boston, or at least in my Twitter feed. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you had like 12 people following on tri- Twitter, we, we tricked them, you know? <laughs> uh, I'm flattered. You know, I, Boston has a special place in my heart. And actually, I'm, I kind of miss not having been there for a while. You know, I can't wait till all this crap's over with so I can actually go watch a good baseball game. You, yeah, know? you, you and me both. Well, What's fortunate for you and everybody else is that even if you could go to Boston, you weren't going to see any good baseball this year. But that's why we're looking forward. And we're going to look back. Uh, So City of Boston Credit Union has a great program, um, uniquely Boston. And we talk a lot. We've had uh, Rich Hill on. We've had Cora on, your buddy. And we talk about uh, how unique Boston is. And really, like, I know that, that obviously, like I said, very popular in Boston. Michael, congratulations. But you have, for really not spending a ton of time, I mean, what, four years? Like four years? Uh, uh, yeah. It was five, Rob, but thanks. Four years. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I, I cut off the last year. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of us would want to, yeah. By the way, can I tell you, can I tell a story? I'm going to tell it. I don't care. Uh, mm-hmm. when, you, when you said uh, you were in Kansas City, it was early in the year, you decided that you were going to retire. Remember this? I do. I, I think I mentioned in spring training, but I think Kansas City was like the first series where I know people were thinking maybe or maybe not. And yeah, I, that's when I kind of knew. Well, so you were very, very nice to me. I appreciate that. Um, and I was reminded as I got your email wrong. The reason I got your email wrong because I had the deep drive email. Um, yeah, so the, the world has turned and we've moved on, but you were um, always good to me. And uh, that, in that case, I wasn't on that trip. And you had the reporters there. This is, this is like Twitter must have not have been like quite as powerful because you gathered around the reporters and you said, I'm going to, my plan is to retire. And then either you texted me or called me and just said, hey, I just told the reporters that I'm going to retire. And so I'm like, okay, you know, send it out. Ian Brown was so pissed at me. He was so pissed at me. He's like, he's like, you're, how, how do you know that? How do you know that? You're not on this trip? Well, listen, it pays. There you go. Tell Ian if you write a book with me, then you get a little special, listen, special listen, privilege, you know? Listen, listen he, he wrote a book about Dice Gay uh, and Dice Gay still playing. So that never paid off. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so... You know, your time in Boston, I was thinking about it. Some of the responses on Twitter, it was, you know, I remember I said, somebody just said, re-sign, Mike, re-sign Lowell, right? That was, that was the time where in the parade and you had all the signs out there and everything else. Um, as you're going through the parade, you were going to hit free agency. And this is sort of what I want to talk about, like why guys either want to play in Boston or they don't want to play in Boston. You had you obviously we it was well documented that you had a better offer to play somewhere else in Philadelphia, but you chose to stay in Boston. You like playing in Boston. 
Why? Well, I, you know, I think you, you kind of base your opinions, Rob, on, you know, your experiences. And for me, I really enjoy playing for the Marlins um, for two reasons. One, I grew up in Miami, so there was the, the satisfaction of kind of like the hometown kid did good. And secondly, a lot of us that took our beating in, in 99, it was a really nice culmination in 2003 when you win the World Series. So there's a lot of satisfaction that comes into that. But with all that being said, we never played in front of big crowds till basically the postseason in 03. So when I got traded over to the Red Sox, actually before that, when we would play the Red Sox in interleague, you know, it was usually June-ish. And on a Tuesday night, those games really, I don't want to say they don't mean anything, but it's less than 1% of your season. You know, 162 games, one game really doesn't mean much. And there was just this different energy and this vibe. And I remember the first time Nomar was hitting like 375 and they start chanting his name when he's on deck. And I was like, I don't even know who's hitting in front of him, but I feel terrible for the guy because everyone was like, no, my, no, my, you know. <laughs> and it was just that whole vibe of, of, you know, for me, the first glimpse I got was Nomar and then was Manny Ramirez. And then, you know, a little later, in 03 and 04, I think is when, you know, David really became, you know, such a big popular household name. So I always had that, like, man, what? imagine coming to this every day, you know? And when I got traded, I was like, man, I just got to, I got to take this in because it's so different than what I knew from the first seven years of my career. So I don't know. I think I, I kind of longed for it because I felt like with the Marlins a couple of years, we had teams that merited playing in front of big crowds and we never got it so it's just it's really refreshing when you know kind of win lose or draw you know you're gonna have people in the seats now with that I think there comes a whole different um set of circumstances which I don't think falls into everyone's personality you know and and the example I use the most is is Edgar Renteria I hit with Edgar in Miami a lot and there's not a nicer more gentleman-like person but he just didn't like Boston you know, the, the scrutiny, and some guys just don't like it. It doesn't make did, them did you ever Did you ever talk to him about that? No, you know, we hit and everything, and, and basically when um, we probably hit three off seasons together, and it was all his time with uh, – St. Louis. He was with the – yeah, Marlins, and he gets traded. Where does he get traded from when they dismantle oh, everyone? Uh, he got traded to the Braves. The Braves for a little yeah. bit. Um, so wherever he was, that's, that's when I got to know him a little more. And honestly, when you're hitting in the offseason, you're not going to bring up the negative to a guy. You know, it, it serves no purpose. So, and, and he's just – he's genuinely a really nice guy. And, and I just think he got caught up with, you know, don't make excuses. You know, Boston's not a place that, you know, oh, the field isn't as good. Well, yeah, it, I'll be honest with you. Fenway Park back then isn't as immaculate as what you see now. You know, it wasn't one of the better infields. Hmm. But both teams are playing on it that night, so you, you really can't make – so that whole thing, I think it kind of snowballed on him, and his personality just didn't cater to that. And he ended up being a great player. You know, this is a, a guy in, who just, from a personality standpoint, a lot of guys don't look forward to answering a lot of questions after games. They don't look forward to baseball being the sole topic all the time. And for me, I didn't mind. I kind of liked it. I, I like talking baseball. You know, I like when people – I felt like when I was in Boston that the fans were as vested – in the sport and in the team I was representing as much as I was. And that's a pretty good feeling. You know, you don't, you, and I, I'm drawing from experience that you don't get that everywhere. So when I had that, I felt like, man, this is, this is a really cool thing for me. And I, I should, I should enjoy it.
But, you know, I would imagine, like you said, even when you're in Boston, there's guys that are, you know, aren't handling it well. I mean, it wasn't, um, you know, the one that everyone in the last 10 years is going to default to for us is Carl Crawford, right? Carl Crawford didn't handle it well. But even when you were, you, throughout your time, there were guys probably you're looking over like, dude, it's okay. And, and I want to say Manny, but Manny was so like all over the place. I don't know if Manny like accepted Boston, liked Boston, didn't like Boston, fell under, he just sort of falls under a whole unique thing. But there are probably other guys that you were sort of like, it's okay. It's okay. They're going to get on you when you're bad. And they're going to, they're going to praise you when you're good. I, I think there's definitely guys like that. And, and there are guys where, to use an example, J.D. Drew seemed to be a guy that Boston the heat on You know what? I give J.D. credit because he was the same guy, whether he was with Atlanta, Los Angeles, or the Red Sox. And maybe the way he was didn't really fall into the graces of, you know, the Boston sports fan. But he was a guy who I think handled it well, even though the person I I don't think it helped that he was the guy that came after Trot Nixon, who kind of personifies that, you know, workman like get dirty, we're diving, you know, we got our hat in our back pocket, you know, all that stuff. So JD was very different from that. But um, I, I would say, yeah, Rob, I, more so I think guys would get frustrated when um, they felt like they stood in front of their locker, answered questions. And then the questions just seem like they never stopped and they're the same. I think some guys, I remember talking to Andre Dawson, when we would ask him, hey, you know, media training and all this, and he would say, you give them the same boring answer, they'll stop asking the same boring question. So I think some guys get, they have to give a different response, the same question a different way. And I just took the approach of, it was a good question. I'm going to give you the same answer because I'm hoping my first answer was as honest as I could be. And, and for me, what I felt like worked best in Boston, and I did the same thing in Florida. There was just four guys as opposed to 40, you know, by your locker each day. I just – I felt like if I give you what I'm really believing, I think it's going to buy you a longer leash because I'm not perfect. You know, I made an error. Guess what? I didn't want to make the error, you know. I don't want to make an error ever. I don't want to strike out. I didn't want to pop out. I'm not excited that I didn't make a play or, or do something. Um, but I just – I can't make an excuse because if you make an excuse, it's, it sounds like you're blaming someone else. And I think you just have to have ownership with what happened on your at-bat or your play. you got to take ownership of that. That is such a great example. And I was thinking of that this past uh, Patriot season, actually. Cam Newton was here. And so Cam Newton was a guy who stunk, but he was great in interviews. He did exactly what you're talking about. He took accountability and all the way until everyone realized that he really, really wasn't going to be the answer. He was getting much more of a free pass because he was that way. Like your buddy, Kevin Millar, Kevin Millar, you know, he was here for three years. He wasn't good the last year, and he's if people in retrospect, people like was gave him all kinds of leeway. So it, it's because he was accountable doing the things that you're talking about. Well, Kevin's also a guy who's, for me, having played with him with the Marlins, he's he's a true clubhouse uniter, and I think with all his antics and his craziness, the guy loves to play baseball and he wants to win. And this is a but, guy. Who, but he but but Mike, he wasn't good. Like this is, the, and I'm saying that. Like, he wasn't productive, but I think people were o okay with it. 
I they agree. were okay with it because of the things that you just said. You know, they, they, they liked how he presented himself, and they also probably understood what you're saying about the clubhouse stuff. Yeah, I, I, I feel, Rob, honestly, for me, if, if the guy listening or the, the fan watching the game believes that he's getting 100% of you, then, then you're okay. If 100% of me is hitting 270, don't expect me to hit 320. But if you feel like I'm – if the fan feels like they're getting 100% effort from that player, I think they're okay with that. Most fans in, in general would be okay with that. I think they feel like if you're dogging it or you're not prepared or you didn't want to do, you know, take the extra base or you're not, you're not playing the game to win, then there becomes a problem. And you know what? Most teammates would have a problem with that too. Yeah, and, and the accountability thing is, is also – if you have to pick one word – it is accountability. I remember Johnny Gomes saying that when, ironically, when David Price came over, you know, he had played with Price. I said, what advice would you give him? He said, be accountable. Boston, be accountable, accountable, accountable. And it's funny you bring up J.D. Drew because it is like that is such a – we talk about Manny being unique, but I think that his approach led to production. But to your point, like people like, oh, man, like why doesn't he show more emotion? And even, you know, probably for the teammates, too. There was, you know, like, why doesn't he show more emotion? But for him to produce, like, that's, that was his thing and probably allowed him to, to function. He, he never came out of Boston saying, I hate it there, yeah. I don't think. No, he didn't. And um, I tell you, I, I, what, I, what I learned how to deal with J.D. Drew, you know who I learned it from? Derek Lee with the Marlins. I mean, Derek Lee is 6'5", 240, super athlete, and he'd make it out, and he'd put his helmet down, take off his batting gloves. And, you know, I'd go with him. I'd go, D, don't you get mad? Like, I need you to fire a helmet. And he got a little bit of flack with the media that if you don't throw a helmet or something, you don't care. And, and he would tell me really, really point blank, the helmet didn't get me out. Like, I don't need that release. I was the, the exact opposite. Like, I needed to go into the tunnel. I needed to fire a helmet. Now, I don't want to do it in front of cameras, but I needed to fire a helmet because I felt like I released, and then now I can go play defense. So there's, there's you know, different approaches. And like you said, J.D. seemed to be a little bit more of a nonchalant approach, but I think that's kind of the way he was wired. And, and the reason why, first of all, I still don't have to think he has a gray hair on his head. And maybe in those big situations, you know, we go back to the Grand Slam, which kind of endeared himself to, you know, the Boston fans, he probably took that at bat the same as he takes in that bat in spring training, you know, when he hasn't seen a pitcher in three months, you know, and, and that might be the formula that works for him. I, it, it wouldn't work for me, but you know, who's to say which one's right and which one's wrong. I, I don't think anyone's wrong. So let's talk about guys coming to Boston and, uh, and has it changed? Like, so there was an element, I think your example of a guy who wanted to stay in Boston, wanted to come with to Boston, wanted to re-sign with Boston. And there, in your time, there are other guys who were the same way. Um, but and we've seen guys who say, I don't want to go to Boston. I, I hear about the market or whatever. And I almost feel like this is going to be a more challenging thing for this team and this market now than maybe it was when you played. Maybe I'm wrong, but between um, – well, First of all, people like to win, and right now as we sit here, there's no certainties of that. Um, but there was, there was also like, oh, I don't want to have to deal with that stuff, you know? Like we, we just, the, um, the South Korean infielder, we just saw a sign with San Diego. I like the weather. 
yeah, the wall's nice, but I like the weather, you know? And so do you think this is coming to Boston and dealing everything that you have to deal with Boston with, with people saying, well, don't worry about it. The payoff is when you win the World Series, that people are going to be more skeptical about that when it comes to free agency? Um, a little bit, yeah. And, and what you mentioned, Rob, I think kind of outweighs everything. It's the winning. And what I think the biggest challenge for the Red Sox is it's tough to recruit someone who knows there's going to be a lot of added, let's call it pressures and distraction, because this is a very different market than most others when you're not sure of the winning. If you basically take the Los Angeles Dodgers team right now and put them in Boston, you know there's going to be a lot more good days and bad days just because you're just more talented than other people. And then I think that has a carryover effect to then recruit, oh, you know what, we kind of need a corner outfielder. Let's go after that free agent. And it kind of is like, hey, Boston's the place to be. You know why? Because you win three out of the four nights. So three out of four nights is great. And if you lose, guess what? They just won three in a row. So that gets massaged a little. It gets hard in markets, you know, and I, I would put, for me, Boston and New York are so unique to everyone else. And I don't want to downplay a Chicago or an LA or a San Diego, but it is different. I do think you get more eyes on the East Coast. It's, it's a little bit more of that fast paced life. They want answers now. West Coast stereotypically is a little bit more laid back. Midwest, you're, they're kinder. You know, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but it just, it kind of seems that way a little, you know, when it comes to the media and the treatment of their players. So it's, it is very different. And some guys, just for the same reason that I wanted to resign in Boston, you know what the main reason was? Well, I mean, winning and I liked where I was. It eliminated distractions. And for me, it was, I knew where I was going in spring training. I knew where I was going to live. I knew where I was living in the, in, during the season. I knew where I liked to eat. I knew what I wanted. Like, all those things were just in place for me. And I liked that. That, that. that weighed more on me than an extra year from the Dodgers or extra money from the Phillies, you know? So, but that's me, you know? Some other guys are like, man, I, I hate calling my dad at two in the morning because he lives, you know, on the West Coast. And, I, you know, if I call him at two, it's 11. So we can actually have a conversation, you know, like that might weigh on someone. I, I can't relate. So there is the, the fact that you're kind of projected to not be one of the better teams and you're in a market, it does affect people. But well, how do you change it? Well, get the good players and start winning, and then it'll be a good snowball effect. Trust me, when, when people are winning in Boston, it's like no other place. And people and guys want to play there. Without and a doubt. It doesn't matter about the weather. It doesn't matter about whatever. And, yeah. and we talked a little bit, I think, the last time we, we talked on the podcast was about how guys have changed, and it's more about the brand and the social media and everything else. Um, does that, you think that factors in? I mean, I guess, you know, you can look at it as, oh, Boston's a bigger market, sure. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, they feel like, oh, well, Boston, it's, it's, not, it's not like L.A. Like, Mookie's brand has changed in L.A. It just has, you know? Yeah. So do you think any of that factors in the gen this generation? For some guys, yeah. Um, again, I think it's a personality thing and a case-by-case -case thing. Um, I mean, I think in Boston, compared to other, let's call it mid to big market teams, there's a lot more opportunity in Boston than other places. Um, but I kind of feel bad for today's player from a social media standpoint, because everything, everyone knows where you are all the time. And it's not like you want to be somewhere at three in the morning and no one knows. It's more like 
you have a glass of wine at dinner and someone's going to pop off and say, you know what? Mike had eight glasses of wine. Whether it's true or not, you can't, you can't quaff because he went over four with an error and two strikeouts. And that's the part where players that I understand why you don't go out to restaurants or like, like we used to do, you know, you go to some guy's room who had a suite on the road and eight of us hung out. But with the Marlins, you know where the eight of us hung out? At the hotel bar because no one was there, you know? <laughs> you watch, you know, MLB tonight, see the highlights and you went to sleep. You know, that, that, that world doesn't exist for those players anymore. And, and I get it. It's hard. It, it's very different, but there is the branding. There's a lot of other opportunities. And some guys love that everyone knows everything they're doing. And some guys are very to themselves. So is it, is it a factor? Yeah. But I got to believe the big free agents with the money they're making. Yeah. Might be a perk, but it, it's not going to sway you one way or the other. The last thing is, is it, has anybody ever um, asked you, like a free agent, about, like, should I go to Boston or not? Or along those well, lines? Not since I've been retired. I'd had, I've, I've, I've had guys, when they got to third base, be like, is it fun playing here? I said, man, look around. You know, and they're like, I'd, I'd love to play here. You know, you got that, you got that a little bit more, um, especially 07, 08, because, you know, the team was good. So I'm telling you, the other players realize that it's a special place. It's just a special place that comes with a price that some guys revel in it. Some guys can just brush it off. And some guys are like, I want no part of it. And I think you got to respect them. As long as, long as those players come in, you know, I, I don't see what they gave me the most money, but I'm miserable for three years. Well, then you made the wrong choice. Like, it, it shouldn't be that. So... I don't know. I don't know what the what the no story. no that's not winning different. solves everything, Rob. I'll be to be honest with you. You know what? Winning and money. <laughs> well, hold on. You bring the you sign a couple guys for big money, and you don't win. Then you don't get the other guys. Right. Yeah. Like, you need you know it's it's you can't just develop twenty three guys on the roster. Yo, know, our farm system is great. It's not going to work out that way. Right. So it has to be an attractive place, and yeah. and winning makes it that much more attractive. Well, there you go. You're, you're the, the, the best ambassador to the city <laughs> that you, you thrived in for not four, not three, but five years. There you five go. I thrived for five. I don't know. I participated in five. <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were collecting the paychecks. That's right. That's yeah. right. My head might disagree with you. So. Well, you also had a, one of the greatest retirement ceremonies uh, in, at Fenway, too. That. Although Ricky Henderson got a car from, from, uh, for playing one year in Boston. Yeah, um, well, you know, like, Ricky like, Henderson, Mike Lowell. Might, you know, yes, Mike Lowell, five years, an iconic figure. Ricky Henderson played one year and he gets a car. One yeah, of the 40,000 bases. I mean, not, you, not, not for the Red Sox. You won, a, you won a world championship. You won a World Series MVP. And most importantly, you wrote a best-selling book. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe send over a little memo to John Henry and maybe Sam Kennedy. I'm short a car. All right. There you go. We'll get a card. I'll just All take right. a couple of tickets next to the dugout. So, <laughs> hopefully. All right.